0: the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 321 for July 22nd, 2012. (music) AT&T announces shared data plans, T-Mobile confirms it will get the Samsung Galaxy Note, And HTC confirms Jellybean is coming to the One Series. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. Well, Q2 earnings kicked off this week and we heard from a couple of different companies. First off, Nokia on Thursday reporting their earnings, posting a loss of 1 billion dollars for the period, the third straight quarter of over a billion dollars in losses. The loss is partially offset by licensing and payments from Microsoft, resulting in net cash up over last year to 4.2 billion euros. Now, revenue from the quarter was at 7.5 billion, and overall phone shipments, including the Windows Phone-based Lumia line, improved. 73 million units were shipped worldwide by the company, including 4 million Windows phones, double the Lumia shipments from the previous quarter. 600,000 phones were shipped to the U.S. Verizon on Thursday reported its Q2 financial results, reporting the carrier's earnings were up 13% from the previous quarter to $1.83 billion. Total service revenue was $15.2 billion, an increase of 8.6% year-over-year. Data revenues were up 18.5% year-over-year to $6.9 billion. And the quarter set an ARPU record up 3.7% to $56.13 per customer. Verizon says a full 50% of its postpaid customers are now using smartphones. That's up 3% from last quarter. Retail postpaid churn fell to 0.84%, down from the 0.89% in the year-ago period, and down from 1.22% in the second quarter of 2011. The company reported 1.2 million net new wireless subscribers and 888,000 net contract subscribers, which is down from the over 2 million total subscribers that they added in the same quarter last year. The carrier sold 2.7 million iPhones this quarter, along with 2.9 million Android smartphones, 2.5 million of which run on Verizon's LTE network. Overall, 3.2 million LTE device activations occurred during the period, and Verizon said that its LTE network now Covers 230 million pops in 337 markets across the country, or nearly 75 percent of the population that they cover. So great uh, results from Verizon, and uh, we'll look to see the other carriers here coming out with uh, their numbers over the next couple of weeks. U.S. mobile subscribers used an average of 450 megabytes of data per month, according to researcher Nielsen. The use more than doubles the 208 megabytes used on average in the first quarter of 2011. The information comes from monthly bills of over 65,000 volunteers.
1: Wow, this is pretty stunning information. I mean, that's a very rapid increase of data on the average because we've got, uh, you know, a lot of people that still have the basic uh, dumb phone. And, you know, this is going to be kind of driven by the smartphone, you know, that the heavy users of smartphones for this amount of data. I know somebody with an iPhone that uses about 10 megabytes of month of data on there. And it, it's, you know, we've got one extreme to the other. So we've got uh, uh, quite an increase here. And this trend is just going to continue.
0: You know, I fall right into this where I've just about doubled my usage here uh, over the last couple of years. I went from about one to two gigabytes. And recently I've actually uh, mentioned on the last show, I've gone up to three gigabytes now this past month. And granted, it's uh, it, it all has to do with you know streaming oh, speed, music. It's like,
1: no, it's just
0: speed tests, right? Well, yeah, just speed, exactly. <laughs> all the speed tests. Well, they actually it's interesting because they take up like, I don't know, 15 or 20 megabytes per test. So yes. they're, they, they're, they're huge, using sure. a lot of data. Yeah.
1: And it, Well, it kind of depends on which, if you're doing the, uh, it, it depends which version you end up getting. Sometimes they're a little bit smaller than that, but it's at least a couple of megabytes.
0: Yeah, and uh, no, I do less speed tests. Yes, that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, we're going to have to watch here. And as we look towards uh, future bills, um, you know, that we get and, and future plans that are available. And I think this is probably a good enough time as any to talk about something uh, that Joey and I have been going back and forth about over the last couple of weeks. And that is. What are we going to do for our next phones? Both of us are actually thinking the same thing right now. But uh, Joey, I'd love to maybe have you ex- share a little experience here and what you're talking about doing.
1: Well, you know, I, you know, I've, I'm thinking of a switch here, and and you know, let, let's uh, talk about this next story here about the shared data plans before we get into this because this kind of will lead into this kind of discussion with this data increase and with you know the the switch that AT and T is going to make here.
0: So what uh, he's talking about is AT&T, similar to data plans that are starting to be offered by Verizon this week, announced... Shared data uh, in their AT&T mobile share plans, they start at $40 per month plus $45 per each additional smartphone. That includes unlimited voice messaging and one gig of data. Now, prices per smartphone drop between $5 and $15 per month, depending on the amount of data that's chosen, and up to 10 devices can be put on a single plan. Now, aside from the $40 one gig option, additional data tiers are available. Those include $70 for four gigs, $90 for six gigs, $120 for 10 gigs, $120 for 10 gigs, $160 for 15 gigs and $200 for 20 gigs. Overages for all plans are $15 per one gig and feature phones can be added for $30 as well as laptops for 20 and tablets for $10. Now, unlike Verizon, these plans do not replace the existing AT&T offerings. AT&T clarified that their existing customers, including those on unlimited data plans, will not have to pay full price for devices or switch plans when upgrading. That's pretty big because obviously for what Verizon is, is doing and what they're offering, um, that is not the case. If you're looking to upgrade a device, you're going to have to switch over if you want the subsidized price to one of their uh, new plans that includes the tier data offerings. And in, along with that, um, you also uh, are going to have to figure out um, a new plan. And it's going to be just an unlimited plan. I mean, there's no way to keep your existing plan when it comes to like the, the set number of voice minutes and text messages and whatnot. So there you go. So the, the move towards shared data continues.
1: You know, it really does. And, you know, as the the data increases for the users, this is going to be a way to, to keep the customers better informed of what's going on, you know, realistically, where you've got, you know, you choose which data plan you need, and you kind of understand that, you know, you get more used to it. And of course, with you know the the LTE tablets that we have out, iPads, and and the other devices that are now coming. We can kind of add those and share those now with the you know the the price per unit per month. So it's it's a little clearer, a little easier for the customer. And I I have to say that just recently the I've got a, a Verizon account with uh, two iPhones on it, and. The shared data plans uh, really did actually save quite a bit of money per month on on those two particular iPhones uh, with the data usage that was uh, taking place on there. And, you know, one of the benefits is the hotspot features included, which we didn't mention the, the AT&T, it is included on. It, it was is. kind of in the fine print somewhere, but uh, did track that down. And that is included with the AT&T one. And it is with the Verizon that, you know, that is actually worth something because, you know, like Sprint for a while was charging $30 a month for it. It's now backed down to, I believe it was 15, but then it was like limited to a a couple of gigabytes or something like that. Um, Verizon, they were, um, they had weird plans on the iPhone where it was like $50 a month to have. Four gigs shared with the hotspot feature. So it was a little cumbersome, confusing, and it was a lot more expensive to have the separate plan. One of the phones was unlimited, the other was on the hotspot plan with the limited data. So it saves money with the shared data plan. But since I also manage that account, I am thinking of moving from Sprint to Verizon. Um, probably in the fall when, uh, when maybe the new iPhone comes out, I get to take a look at that, uh, with the LTE data and see, that's another, you know, factor where now LTE can kind of change this because you can use the data a lot quicker, but the data actually works unlike uh, sprint is kind of, uh, going these days.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, and I'm actually considering the same, um, and I am with AT&T currently and I have a shared plan. That includes 550 voice minutes, um, that's $60 a month. Two data plans, that's $60 a month. And then one 1,000 message SMS bundle for another $10. So that's $130 all in. And, uh, you know, personally, um, I'm using more data than I ever have. But at the same time, I uh, I realize that this is uh, where I'm at right now is, is going to be a very good indication of where I'm going to probably max out for pre- at least the next year or so. And that's going to be probably between three and four gigs at the most. Uh, now, the, the, the shared line, of course, is with my wife, and she's using very little data right now. It's, you know, probably less than 500 megs a month. So a four gig plan would make a lot of sense. And if you look at what that would be, for Verizon, with not only not now you have unlimited voice, unlimited text, um, and and the data, it's one hundred and fifty dollars. So you say, okay, well, it's twenty dollars more. But here's the kicker: um, I started looking into it. I can find voice plan discounts by going to Verizon. So that means take another $12 a month by going to the Verizon plan. So it's now down to $138. And yes, $8 more uh, to go with Verizon, but at the same time, it comes with unlimited voice, which by the way, um, we're eating through minutes right now, uh, just based on a, a change in usage. Uh, all of our rollover minutes are being eaten up very, very quickly. So I'm, I'm going to need to, to, to get a new plan sometime wow. here in the near future. Um, and so I'm going to have to increase the from the $130 that I'm at right now. To something else, so not only am I going to end up having to go up anyway, I'm going to get unlimited voice and text, and not have to think about that. And uh, it also includes the hotspot, you know, the tethering that's, on it.
1: Yep, and and that's a feature you know both of us use not heavily, but when you need it, you really need it.
0: Yeah yeah absolutely and and you know one of the the kicker is of course the network and what you're going to get with this AT&T has LTE but it's not what Verizon has we just talked about it and uh, you know the fact that they now have 75 percent of the population that they cover with LTE and it's only going to go up we're going to see it close to 100 percent here over the the next year or so it's 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 pretty compelling and and I'm this is where I'm at right now I'm kind of like you Joe I think thinking Verizon is in my future when
1: the next iPhone comes out you know and this is exactly why it's the LTE aspect of it just really clenches it because that network has been built out so quickly and you've got a taste of it with the iPad that you're running on the LTE network right now and those speeds are fabulous its reliability is great I mean yes it's not available everywhere but Verizon's voice network is available you know almost everywhere obviously not in every place and it really depends but the places I travel out in kind of the countryside it's nothing but Verizon country and it's all EVDO Rev A and it works decently in those areas whereas Sprint now it used to be better with Sprint because it would roam on um Altel and I would get EVDO roaming with them but since Verizon bought them out they've switched all back to 1x roaming and it is just slow And then the sprint, uh, it's just I've really decreased on sprint coverage uh, when I've been traveling around, actually, in the last few years. So it's becoming more and more frustrating uh, with that.
0: You know, I'm trying to remember when it was. It was maybe six months, nine months ago. We actually had a story that we ran about that, that there there was, uh, as the changes that have kind of been put in place with, with Altel and whatnot, the, the amount of roaming available to Sprint customers has dropped dramatically.
1: Yes, it has. You're right. I remember that it was a, there was a coverage map that went through some of that. And then also with Sprint's uh, network optimization, as they like to call it, you know, decommissioning 30% of their towers. Uh, right now is probably not helping much. And I think uh, I'm experiencing that actually here and uh, everywhere else. And I know the friends are having more and more issues with Sprint and the speeds are becoming slower and slower. And, and uh, my travels this weekend into the uh, Southern Chicago metro area, I've never, ever, ever, ever had Sprint uh, not work uh, or work so poorly, which was not working the entire time with data. Ymax worked, but EVDO and uh, 1X just, it could never move any data. A phone call would go through, but nothing else would just for two days straight. And I wasn't even in very busy areas. It was absolutely awful.
0: Hmm. Well, I, uh, I think there's, uh, there, there's some, you know, as they're making their changes and, and we'll hit it and in uh, just a minute here but you know with Sprint and, and making the transition over to LTE there's there's certainly a focus that is seems to have changed a little bit and, and where they're trying to spend some of their capital and whatnot and you, you mentioned the network modernization projects that they're they're talking about and it's just it's a it's a very um, it's kind of a it's kind of a sad state right now when you look at at the you know obviously Sprint and, and some of the great things that they've tried to do and and you know they tried to be one of the the, the forerunners of 4G with the WiMAx uh, you know partnerships that they had they've they've helped on to the unlimited data, which seems to be hurting them more than anything, just based on usage, and um, it, it's not—it's uh, it, just not a not a good scenario here. And uh, um, I, I don't want to get dive too far down a rabbit hole of being negative on this, um, other than to say that there's there are certain reasons for making changes, and, and obviously if your experience with a carrier is is not great, then it's it's going to certainly you know probably dictate a change on your part. And, and unfortunately, I think Sprint is going to be um, at the kind of the the forefront of that. As people are finding reasons to change and they're going to move on uh, for, you know, for reasons
1: that they just they're not getting the coverage that they need. Yeah. And like you said, you know, the, the value proposition of Verizon, like for me with this, uh, if I uh, add an iPhone to that particular account or even an Android phone, it, it it may not necessarily be an iPhone, but it'd be an Android phone with LTE or, or some phone with LTE it would be a $40 uh, per month edition on there. Yes, that's more expensive than my, my Sprint phone is costing right now. Not a lot more, but just a little more. I wouldn't even have to upgrade the data plan on that account because my data, my mobile data usage actually isn't very much, but when I need, it, I really, really need it because it's a kind of, you know, mission critical, you know, network administration where I've got to fix something right at that moment or whatever. And of course the uh, LTE would, would benefit that greatly, especially while roaming or, you know, tethering the iPad to it um, or, uh, the computer, whatever it may be, or even just using the iPhone itself, because I know the, uh, or, or the Android phone. I mean, I use both for, uh, you know, uh, remote desktop clients and, and things like that. So it's, it, it, it really does. Um, it really does interest me a lot because it would make it easier to do some of the things I need to do. And of course have better data coverage and better coverage just basically wherever I go. So I wouldn't be in those fringe areas where a lot of time I'm waiting for sprint. I'm like holding on to sprint service and it won't switch to roaming. And because the phone tries to hold on to Sprint as long as it possibly can, whereas I remember the days with the Centro, I used to actually force roaming on it to make it work better. And I just would, it would eliminate a lot of that issue. So it, it's something to me where it would be, yes, a little bit more per month, but I think the benefits for me personally would really outweigh the extra cost for it.
0: Yeah. And and there are there are some definite benefits to, you know, to finding yourself with a, with a, a network and a carrier, uh, excuse me, a coverage area on that network that is really uh uh, it's just very valuable uh there's one other thing here and uh, this is an interesting one uh, reminiscent of the ios personal hotspot at&t could potentially be charging for use of facetime over cellular in its next version of ios now facetime over a cellular connection was a new feature that was announced for ios 6 back at wwdc and 9to5Mac is saying that when they're trying to enable this feature in the latest beta of the software, a pop-up is appearing for the user to contact AT&T to activate the service, the exact same pop-up box uh, that came up when you tried to activate Personal Hotspot. So uh, this is uh, this is kind of, I think, bad news at this point. Now, granted, we're talking about betas right now, but uh, certainly could indicate something coming in the future here.
1: I think that definitely indicates it, uh, that it'll be coming to AT&T where it'll be blocked out like that. Unless you're on the shared data plan, I think with the shared data plan that will be included. Um, just like the hotspot, since the hotspot's feature is included, I think this will be included as well. That's just my gut feel. I may be wrong, but I think they're going to try to simplify the data down to where there's not those add-on features. But if you were on a unlimited plan or any of the other data plans. They will tack on some extra charge, and of course, other carriers around the world probably kind of want that uh, additional uh, feature as well to be able to, to charge for. So it's probably not just AT&T that'll have that feature, but I think uh, it's a big deal. I know Verizon didn't have that happen when they were um, when when they also tried to activate it with them.
0: Yeah, and that, that was my next point was that Verizon did not see that same message. They were able to, uh, they were able to process it. So, um, it, you know, TechCrunch then uh, came back the next day and said they had talked to AT&T CEO Randall Stevenson about it, and he said that it was too early to discuss how AT&T will handle FaceTime over cellular networks. Uh, quote, uh, I've heard the same rumor uh, and that he insisted that AT&T is focused on working with Apple to get the technology stabilized and, again, too early to talk about pricing.
1: Yeah, and, and we won't know pricing until the iPhone's released in October. I mean, or, or or whenever it is, you know, in the fall. So September, October, November, whenever it may be. So they'll announce it at that point.
0: And other Apple news, too. The Wall Street Journal says the next iPhone will be thinner in part to the utilization of a new touchscreen technology. Uh, the screen would remain approximately half a millimeter uh remove half a millimeter from the overall thickness so yeah okay there's another one of those we saw some other rumors this week too that basically said that they're still in the the, kind of the testing phases with the new hardware and it's it has not started production yet so the latest rumor shows as joey mentions probably sometime late third early fourth quarter
1: breaking news mickey a new iphone will be coming
0: it will be coming yes that is the breaking news of this and, you know and and obviously there, there's a lot of stuff that floats around we try and hit the highlights of it but uh certainly uh, a lot of it's still very rumor uh you know based in rumor and we don't know what exactly is going to happen
1: i think we'll see lte i think that's about the only thing we can really really point uh pinpoint
0: yeah lte i've heard nfc is pretty much a, a sure thing which yeah maybe i mean it's it seems all right but uh you know, we I was this is the time of year I was actually expecting NFC to really take off. I said the when the Olympics start, which I guess is what in just a couple of days, and uh, I really haven't haven't seen it uh, much more than what we saw six months ago. So, um, you know, we'll just have to kind of keep our eyes on that one. But uh, yeah, either way, lots of lots of rumors flying out around there. But let's move on here and uh, talk about Verizon. Uh, they announced this week on Wednesday the expansion of their 4G LTE network: 33 new and 32 expanding markets are part of the announcement, covering all areas across the country. The new areas uh, came online effective Thursday, July 19th. Full list in the show notes. Now, Sprint on Monday announced that the 4GLT footprint that they have now reaches 15 markets, launched just 24 hours earlier in Atlanta, Houston, Dallas, Kansas City, and San Antonio. Additional markets came online Monday, including Athens, Calhoun, uh, Carrollton, Newman, and Rome, Georgia, Fort Worth, Granbury Hood County, Huntsville, and Waco, Texas, as well as St. Joseph, Missouri. Future launch markets, though, have not been announced.
1: And I think, uh, you know, Sprint is going to hopefully take Verizon's lead here and try to get this rolled out as soon as they possibly can to free up the spectrum on their other networks and to also, you know, move their you know customers into the future in the LTE and get the voice over LTE or whatever higher speed voice they're going to use to, to really, you know, repurpose their Nextel spectrum and get kind of this next phase going here because they've been kind of stalled here for quite some time because I think the WiMAX deal really did uh really did set them back even though they were the forefront in the 4G market it's really weird how that kind of turned out for them but it just the technology and the deployment by clear just really hurt them it did and
0: you know LTE of course is the technology that's kind of found its way into the forefront of uh, pretty much all the next generation deployments WiMAX I, I can't even tell you any other networks that are uh, in any major markets or major countries I should say um, that are um, that are going to be deployed so unfortunately it's, it's pretty much going to be an LTE world sprint of course moving that way and uh, those that have some of the newer devices like the Evo 4G LTE uh, the Galaxy Nexus uh, you know what is it the LG Viper they all use LTE and so you'll be able to take advantage of it if you happen to live in some of these areas. And of course, future deployments will come online. We'll report about them. Uh, as they happen. T-Mobile this week announced a new roaming plan called Open Europe. It offers business customers 500 megs of data for $50 a month. The plan is technically unlimited as no overage charges will be billed once a customer reaches that 500 meg limit. Those speeds will be throttled. The plan works in 28 European countries and is expected to be available starting in August. And Leap Wireless this week announced new Cricket data plans offering cheaper options for more data. A new plan offers 8 gigs of data for $65 a month. This goes along with the 4 gigs for $45 and 2 gigs for $30. The plans are capped and speeds are throttled should users exceed these limits. Mobile broadband plans with Cricket max out at 1.8 megabits per second. Now, as we talk about each week, you can help support The Cell Phone Junkie and the work we do here by signing up for TCPJ Unlocked. The Unlocked podcast is our bi-monthly premium show offering in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues, interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit the click the link for TCPJ unlocked, and choose from either a monthly or quarterly membership. A big thank you goes out to everyone that subscribes. Well, just one device to talk about this week: T Mobile, confirming via Twitter that the Samsung Galaxy Note will be coming to its network. Specs include a 5.3-inch screen, 8-megapixel camera, Android 4.0, and will support T-Mobile's HSPA plus 42 megabit per second network. T Mobile says the device will arrive in the coming weeks. Now, as a side note, uh, there were media events that were sent out to uh, various uh, sites and uh, other news organizations that said a Samsung uh, blowout event will be occurring on a new Galaxy product. Many are saying this could be the next version of the Note, and uh, that announcement
1: and uh, event will be coming here mid-August. It's kind of neat that T-Mobile is picking this one up, and we still haven't seen the supposed rumored uh, journal version for uh, Verizon and and Sprint. Maybe this announcement is going to include that, quite possibly. Maybe they waited for the next uh, size or something to go uh, for the CDMA version. Maybe it's going to be LTE, so it needs to be bigger to hold more battery space. I'm not sure exactly, but it's nice to have these options. I know this phone is uh, huge uh, in comparison to most phones, but it's, uh, it's got some unique features that uh, it seems like a lot of people really do enjoy. Their sales numbers are uh, pretty good, so it's nice to have more choices.
0: Yeah, it is, and I, I would just... Now, obviously, I would I would love to see T-Mobile just skip the the version and go with the next version that comes out, if that is indeed what the next announcement is that's coming up here. But uh, either way, it's uh, it still feels fairly new. I mean, this device came out here, you know, just at the top of the year, and we're only seven months in, so it's still a very new, very powerful, great device if that's what you're looking for. So, uh, either way, uh, stay tuned to T-Mobile for more on that if you're interested in the bigger form factor well this show is also supported by the cell phone junkie podcast application uh, for the true cell phone junkie the apps integrate the best the show has to offer in a simple and effective package in addition to on-demand access to the last 50 shows you can email the show call in the show and uh, listen to the show in the background while you do other things on your device if you're looking to experience everything the cell phone junkie has to offer our ios and android apps are for you Now, Sprint on Monday announcing the HTC Evo 3D and Evo Design 4G getting upgrades to Android 4.0 Ice Cream Sandwich. They will occur early next month, and users will begin receiving the update automatically over the air and will be sent out to most users by the end of august and htc confirming this week that android 4.1 jellybean would be coming to a number of its devices according to htc spokesperson jeff gordon we know htc fans are excited to get their hands on google's latest version of android and at this point in time we can confirm that we have plans to upgrade to our htc 1x 1xl and 1s to jellybean please stay tuned for more updates regarding device upgrades timing and other details about jelly bean No word on any other specifics or other carrier variants and when they would be getting the updates, such as the AT&T 1X or T-Mobile 1S. Well, on to the questions and comments. And first today, we've got three voicemails from Mel. Now, we've edited them together and we'll play them all as one. And Mel called in and uh, was using an unlocked Galaxy Nexus using the Groove IP application on the T-Mobile network for the first two. And then the third voicemail is uh, followed up on a landline call. So keep that in mind. As you listen to these voicemails from Mel,
2: hey guys, it's Mel from Midwest giving you a follow-up on the T-Mobile Team Bargain. So this is for my unlocked Galaxy Nexus I got from the Google Play Store, and I'm calling you on Groove IP uh, on my unlocked Galaxy Nexus through a T-Mobile connection. It's awesome. So far, it works well. Thanks for all you do. Looking forward to hearing what you're going to say tonight. Hey, guys, it's Mel from the Midwest. Well, I'm going to give this a try again, and thanks for the emails. Well, I'm uh, using my uh, Galaxy Nexus from the um, Play Store with Groove IP on the T-Mobile network. Getting a T-Mobile SIM was no big deal. Hey, it's Mel from the Midwest. Well... I think you just got a really scratchy, bad-quality voicemail again. So sending, making phone calls with my Galaxy Nexus and Groove ID is a bit of a challenge. And I, it's obviously T-Mobile's network that I think is the issue, although Groove ID is probably less than perfect. I just thought to let you know, getting a T-Mobile SIM was no big deal. You go to their website, a SIM card alone is 99 cents. A free shipping cost me a dollar six, and after you do a plan on it, the sim has like three dollars on it for a free fee or extra or whatever and I did get the thirty dollar T-Mobile plan with unlimited um four g and unlimited text at hundred minutes so that's the story groove i p scratchy I haven't been able to make phone calls the people do complain little scratch so thanks we'll see how it goes
0: bye thanks very much for calling in mel you know unfortunately groove ip uh is just not all that clear uh we were able to kind of understand what you were saying with that and and passing on the information about how uh, you bought your T-Mobile SIM, and uh, you know, for for ninety-nine cents, $1.06 with free shipping, of course, uh, and the tax added in there. Not too bad, right there. Um, you know, we we've talked about using Groove IP in the past as a good way to take advantage of free Gmail calling when using your Google Voice phone number, but I'm disappointed in the results, and uh, I don't really feel like we should be recommending it anymore. At least not uh, just as a kind of a catch-all solution for this. I'm sure it's working fine over a Wi-Fi connection in many cases, and I'm sure uh, certain devices may work better, uh, but. As as you heard in two separate voicemails very choppy almost unusable audio not something you'd want to have a conversation with somebody on so uh, but thanks again for you know calling back in of course and reiterating what you're trying to say And, uh, you know, that's very interesting. And um, I wanted to share that with everybody so they could hear the results of what this actually means when doing voice over IP calls, especially in this particular scenario, which we have talked about a few times in the past. Next up, a comment from Chris. He says, Guys, I love the show and just wanted to tell you I've been a customer with ATT for several years now and I've had no problems with them. But over the last four months, I've been throttled and the speeds I'm seeing are absolutely horrible. The first month I noticed that my phone started to be throttled, I was seeing around 120. 25 kilobits per second. I ran a speed test almost every other day for a solid two weeks until I was in my new month and the throttling was gone. I never saw over 250 kilobit- kilobits per second. Now, I have a horrible little story to tell you about data throttling and how it can really affect your life. I went to a campground uh, to visit friends of mine, and while we were there, my daughter stepped on a piece of glass and caught her foot pretty bad. I wanted to look up the closest hospital on my phone as we were driving out of the campground, and of course, I couldn't get any kind of information to download. I tried searching the web and tried using the Maps app to find any kind of information that I could use, but I was very upset and not thinking clearly. I was worrying so much about my daughter that my wife ended up yelling at me and saying, "Don't forget you have Navigon. That's when I brought up the Navigon application, and in the tab you can find the closest emergency uh, room and hospital information, and we were able to get there quickly as all the maps were cached on the device. Now, after seeing the throttling that AT&T has on my phone, I've decided to move over to Sprint. The speed has been horrible. I uh, had been so horrible on my at service that I tended to go over my cap within almost, uh, within about two weeks. So two weeks out of every month, I was being throttled to the point where my phone was almost completely useless. Just wanted to share. Thanks for the show, Chris. So Joey, here's a yet another, you know, one of just kind of an
1: experience and, and a reason why you, you got to be really careful when you get into those throttled speeds. Yeah, because uh, you do want good data. And this is what I experienced this weekend when I was trying to navigate. I was trying to look up places on my uh, Nexus S and just no data didn't work. And it looks like it was supposed to be working because it had the indicator up, but it just stalled out. And it was like that the entire time. And uh, it's beyond frustrating. I mean, and I didn't have nearly anything like an emergency uh, such as uh, such as that. And I know how horrible that is. so it's, uh, it, you've got to have it working and you got to have, you know, somewhat decent speeds. You know, it's not, uh, you know, I was thinking of this with the Nexus S, yeah, Google Maps is great, but it requires so much data now compared to the way it used to. Um, and, you know, the, with the wireless web where it was just the simple web browser, you didn't need so much data to move to make it worthwhile. And, and now with the, the increased demands and everything, it's just, you need quicker mobile data to make these, you know, these, you know, high-end devices to actually be effective.
0: Probably worth spending the money, too, if you're someone who actually, you know, needs that, needs to be able to have access to it. It's, it's well worth it to have a, uh, a tiered data plan where you know you're going to have a certain amount of data that you can use. And may spend a few extra dollars a month, but it's a good uh, good peace of mind, especially when you run into a situation like this. Uh, you know, fortunately, you did have the Navigon installed on your device. And uh, that was able to help you out there, but if you wouldn't have boy, that could have been uh, could have been a real bad situation. Next one is a question from Larry he says uh, very simply, would an unlocked iPhone work for straight talk well Larry um You'd have to use something special to make this work. Uh, there's something out there called a GEVI SIM, G-E-V-E-Y. You can buy them online, and the GEVI allows you to use your phone with just about any SIM, uh, and like the phone is actually unlocked. So what I'm assuming that you're talking about here is that you'd be using your phone uh, with uh, a SIM from Straight Talk and not necessarily would have an unlocked device. Um, Now, from what I understand, if you wanted to use this with either a Verizon or a Sprint iPhone, um, they use the GPS that's built into the device to tell where you are. And if you're in the U.S., they won't let the phone use the GSM or SIM as the primary network for the device. So the phone won't work properly. So um, using the Gevi SIM, though, will bypass this and you'll be able to use it. So I I don't think they're all that expensive, but uh, look one of those up if you want to use an iPhone on straight talk. Next one is a comment from Jeff, and he says, I've spent time with the Galaxy S3, and uh, I will tell you it is subpar to the HTC One series. In fact, I don't particularly enjoy using it, uh, and the refinement overall is still not good. I certainly don't like the screen size. It's way too big and enjoy screens with closer to a 4.3 inch as the ideal size. Now, my Samsung S3 has a few screen hiccups, and the LTE is not available uh, where the HTC just buries it when it comes to HSPA+ performance, nearly double the speeds, no idea why, but it just does. Now my last Samsung phone. This will be. I'm not dreading the purchase, uh, but it wasn't worth it either. Apple has nothing to worry about if this is their competition. I would like to provide you with one clear-cut victory that the S3 has over its competition, but there are none. Even the HTC camera smacks the S3, and since, lo and behold, has overcome TouchWiz, which was almost unthinkable just a few years back. P.S. Uh, I've already bricked the bootloader uh, via the Odin, and by fact, by default, it has the recovery ROM tool, but only Bell. has as the console password for recovery which they politely provided for me as if they knew that there was never going to be hacked very easily it did reboot and the phone came back to life uh, where I left it apps email and screens looking very forward to the next iPhone well Jeff thanks for writing in uh, you know I'd be to, remiss to say uh, if I was a little sad to hear this voice, uh, this comment here and um, you know I've heard so many great things about the S3 I know there are a lot of folks out there that are really enjoying theirs but like you I am uh, looking forward to, uh, to the next version of the iPhone.
1: Yeah and uh you know I know the S3 is still new so maybe some software updates will fix some of these issues like the slow data speed to me that sounds like they didn't quite get the radios quite right I know Sprint uh, sometimes has issues like that but uh hopefully they can get some of those things fixed up but yeah they can't really improve the camera with that and you know I really haven't heard a lot about the S3 since it's come out uh, as far as people getting it and really liking it so maybe uh maybe the general consensus is that maybe it is kind of not so great
0: Well, I got my hands on one this week, and uh, it was the T-Mobile version. And I will tell you, it is it is a a decent piece of hardware. It does feel like a Samsung device. It is it is rather large, um, you know. So you've got to be you know prepared for that. Four point eight inches is a large screen, Uh, but you know it wasn't. It didn't feel overly. uh, It didn't feel like you know Galaxy Note territory by any means. I would say if you're you know looking for a bigger device and you really want to take advantage of that screen real estate, whether it's watching videos or or whatever it is, it it is pretty decent. Um, I will just say that I. Um, I, I still look at it the same way. I look at uh, all the other Ice Cream Sandwich devices, and and that's that. It's you know unfortunate but true that it still feels a little sluggish, a little choppy, um, and it's just not as smooth um, that you know what what Jelly Bean has done. And you know it's it's amazing to think about. Just uh, three months ago, uh, or even six months ago, I, I was I was very up on Ice Cream Sandwich, and now I see Jelly Bean, and I go, wow. They, I mean, they they fixed some of the big things that I was almost just kind of turning a blind eye to. And so if you're looking for, you know, for a really smooth Android device, Jelly Bean it brings that very much with it. And I would say um, if, if that's one of your key criteria for buying a phone, um, you know, the Galaxy Nexus is the one that has it right now. But, of course, this will be rolled out, as we mentioned earlier, to the One Series and then also hopefully to the, the S3s here as well.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm not sure exactly when the Nexus S, uh, some of the uh, GSM models were uh, getting that this week, the official one. So um, we'll just have to see how how it responds on those devices with the older, you know, single-core 1-gig processor. Yep, exactly.
0: Next up here, a voicemail from
1: Bill.
3: Hello, gentlemen. This is Bill in Oak Grove, Missouri, and I think from listening to yourselves, I know the answer to my question, but i got to shoot it to you anyway. My significant other has an unlocked at t iphone 4. she's got a straight talk sim card micro sim card she can place calls and receive calls flickering a button but she cannot receive cellular data is there a workaround i called straight talk and the outsourced gentleman with very little english uh, comprehension sent me to at t at t says once you go track phone we can't support you anymore So there's uh, something to do with an APN. I can't find anything in the iPhone, but a VPN. I just wonder if there's a workaround for that. If you have one, I'd certainly appreciate it, and I enjoy your show very, very much. Thank you all so much.
0: Bill, thanks very much for the voicemail. Uh, This is an interesting one, and uh, I think I've got an answer for you. So the APN settings in the iPhone are indeed which you'll need to change. Uh, They are carrier-specific for connecting to data, so if you have an AT&T model of an iPhone, you're going to need to be set for AT&T, or it's going to be set for AT&T, and you're going to need to make a change to move over to Straight Talk for what they use. Now, You can view the APN settings on some iOS devices by going to Settings, General, Network, and then Cellular Data Network. However, you'll notice if you try and do this on an AT&T device, they don't allow access to these APN settings. So what you're going to need to do is visit a third-party website that will install a configuration profile to get the proper settings onto your device. Um, The one that I've used successfully in the past is called unlockit.co.nz, and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes under voicemail from Bill. And... And uh, it will ask you to select a carrier, and it will install that configuration file on the device and allow then a connection to straight talk. The whole process will take you less than two minutes, um, and you'll be good to go for data. I I used this when I installed the AT&T SIM card into my iPad, and uh, of course the APNs were not correct, and so I went to the site grabbed AT&T, it installed the configuration profile, and I uh, was off and running, no problem. Um, you know, if you ever decide to move it, th- this back and install it on, you know, want to use it on AT&T again, uh, all you have to do is go into uh, into the configuration um, and delete that profile and uh, then reboot the device and you'll be good to go back on the AT&T
1: uh, APN. It's, it's really simple, very easy to do
0: and uh, I just recommend it doing this
1: way. It's very nice. It's kind of amazing this isn't totally seamless or built into the devices at this point in time. Uh, you know, this many years with APNs being around that this shouldn't be a little bit easier for the end user uh this is kind of kind of crazy
0: it is a little crazy, but at the same time, um, this is, it's random that it's a third party website that does this, but it, it, it's pretty simple. Uh, Bill, I just recommend you doing this. Um, you, you go to this website, by the way, on the device itself. Um, because if you go to it, otherwise it's just a website, but so uh, unlockit.co.nz is how you'll do that. Next one is a question from James. He says, hello, Mickey and Joey. Your podcast is one of two podcasts that are essential for me each week. I value the information and commentary on your show and thought you'd be ideal to help me identify a good solution for a question. Here's the situation. My daughter has a feature phone uh, through my family plan with Verizon for $10 a month. She'll be leaving the U.S. for one to five years for her job, and her phone is out of contract, but the, so the number can be ported to another carrier or discontinued at any time. So what I'd like to do is to find a way to keep her phone number active, available, and under my control so that she can resume using it when it, she comes back home. But I would certainly don't want to pay $120 per year to Verizon just to keep the phone line active. I don't expect there to be a need to use the number while she's out of the country. But if there's by some magical and cheap way that I could get the number to be used by her friends and family, that would be a terrific bonus. I'll add to that that uh, that while in Japan, she will have a regular Japanese cell phone and a wired internet service as part of her job. So Mickey and Joey, do you have any recommendations for what would be an effective way and a really cheap way to do this? I hope you can find us an answer. A big thanks and excellent excellent show. Appreciatively, James. Well, James, I've got a very simple solution here for you. Because you're out of contract, I think you're going to like it port the number to Google Voice. It's only $20. You'll be able to use it uh, uh, kind of in an in a interesting voiceover IP way, if you will. So you'll be able to see who calls the number uh, via the, the online history that's available. And you can also set it up so that if someone calls the number, it can send you an email to let you know that someone has called. You can then also set it up to have your, of course, your text messages will come through and you can have your text messages as well emailed to you so you can see who texts your number. And you can also even continue to use the number either via Google Talk. Uh, through the web browser, through your Gmail client for calls. Or if you've got a smartphone or some sort of tablet, there's a number of applications out there that will allow you to make and receive phone calls via that phone number as well. Uh, We'd mentioned one earlier uh, called Groove IP on Android that you'd be able to use uh, and also one on uh, iOS that I use that's called Talkatone that works quite well. Uh, Plus, you can also leave a custom voicemail uh, on it as well if you want so you can have people that call it know that you're going to uh, have to return the call because of this reason that you're out of the country. And uh, like I mentioned, all messages will be sent to you via email. It's a great way to go if you want to save the number and uh, even better once she comes back to the States you can port your number out of Google Voice for only $3
1: or just you know, uh, add that phone, the new phone number and leave that one kind of secret. And you just kind of use the Google voice number. I mean, depending on the device you get, if it's an Android phone, it's completely seamless uh, integration then with Google voice, then the phone number of the actual phone itself never even gets transmitted via caller ID and uh, and all the text message and everything. So it's uh uh, that could be another way to go as well, where you don't even have to port it out of Google.
0: Yeah. And that's probably what I would do. Honestly, I've been using my Google voice number exclusively. Um, I never use the actual phone numbers on my device devices anymore it just doesn't it doesn't matter um, same
1: here you yep. you know it, it's
0: great so um, the one the one issue is uh, you don't get MMS um, through Google Voice which may or may not be a concern depending on how much you actually use that I kind of throw my hands up and go out ah, whatever I never get them and of course I was talking to my brother-in-law today and he said oh did you see that picture I sent you yesterday and he said nope I did not let's use iMessage in, in the future here because I'm gonna miss those
1: so with Sprint, because I've got the the, uh, the Google Voice integration with Sprint, now what they finally have done is they've actually fixed that problem. I get emails from Gmail with the picture attachment uh, from the MMS. And I also get an accompanying text message um, in that uh, kind of lets me know that I got a, a picture message as well. So they, they did fix that. And I suppose, you know, moving to Sprint would be a, a slightly more integrated way to go because you wouldn't even have to get an Android phone if you want with Sprint because of the Google Voice integration that Sprint has, so um, there's uh, another little aspect to that.
0: Yeah I, uh, I i would I would certainly recommend just taking a look at at, at what you can do though with Google Voice because I, I think it's really going to it's going to save you a lot of hassle and I think you're gonna you're really going to enjoy it. Um, I personally have, like I said, I've I've been using it for quite a while and and and, and don't really find any um, any like I have any real complaints with it. Uh, it just works. Pretty well, quite honestly, I'm I'm happy with it. So, uh, Joey, I will uh, I will defer to you though. If there's any other services that maybe we want to recommend, or you think Google Voice is going to be the one that we need to go with for them,
1: yeah, that's probably the best one. I can't think of anything offhand other than you know a prepaid plan like a T-Mobile one where you have to pay, or a Virgin Mobile where you have to just keep the phone sitting on the desk, paying you know ten months, ten twelve dollars every three months, Hmm. I believe is what their minimum plan it uh twenty dollars every three months twenty dollars every three months that's what it is so but still you represent that's just three months of time versus the the google voice and then you wouldn't have any of those functions where the emails and the missed calls and the text messaging and of course doing phone calls over the uh through the browser uh and my wife does that actually with google voice when when somebody calls her phone number instead of trying to reach for the cell phone which is in the other room the computer rings she just answers on the computer. So that's. Yeah, to me that seems like a, a better alternative.
0: Yeah, and it, I find it quite nice. I, I love it being able to do that. I make a lot of calls that way. I don't answer a lot because usually I'm not in front of a computer, but uh, I make a lot of calls that way just because it is, you know, crystal clear. Uh, and in fact, I, I've oftentimes get, get complimented on on how great the call quality is. So, especially if you're using a headset, uh, you know, or some sort of microphone setup, it, it does work really, really well. Next one here is a question from Brian. He says I use Gmail and was told to only use the Gmail email application on. On my Galaxy S2 since the stock Android email app apparently pulls for new email at a specific set interval versus push from Gmail. I also read on numerous sites that turning off auto-sync for my accounts increases battery life. However, I noticed that when I turn off auto-sync, I do not get my Gmail pushed to me anymore. I have to manually refresh the app, which is unacceptable. So I set up my email in the Android email app as an exchange to my push email to push my email i have found i still get my email even with all the accounts auto syncing off is this saving me battery life and why is ics getting rid of the option to auto sync specific accounts instead of an all or nothing i even remember on my captivate running 2.3 that i could have all of my google sync uh to have my google sync just contacts but not pictures or email uh now it appears that ics that, I can have all Google services or none auto-sync and all accounts or none auto-sync. Thanks for the help. Great show as always, Brian. Uh, Well, I've used Gmail uh, client pretty much exclusively on Android devices in the past. I've never actually used the email um, application um, that's that's on there, that mail application for my Gmail accounts. But what you're doing there obviously is something that uh, would work if you set it up as an exchange. You would get your email from Gmail pushed through via exchange. Uh, But uh, first of all, I don't know why they would be pulling this out as a feature. But I don't know. Joey, any thoughts on this? Have you ever done this where you've set up Gmail through the email client?
1: You know what? I have not because I've used just the Gmail one because it does support Gmail better. And and that's really what I'd recommend using. I just did a quick test on my uh, uh, ICS-equipped Nexus S here with that syncing thing because I've got a corporate exchange um, email account that's not Gmail, but it is uh, an exchange based server. and then I also have a gmail account in there. those are the two emails I have and I did the the mastery account, uh, accounts and sync off and it turned both of them off as far as the syncing and the push email goes. so I'm not sure why you would have still received email that way. That sounds like a software bug. Um, if you go into the system settings under accounts and sync, you can see the green uh, circles that chase each other. Uh, They should be... That means that they're active and ready to go, but you can tap that to turn it off and it'll say sync is off. So that will save you battery life. Not a heck of a lot of battery life, but it does save some battery life. I've tested that where I've turned it off and it, it, it doesn't save that much for me. Getting the email in is kind of more important than the battery life. So I usually leave that on and I'd recommend just setting your Gmail account up through the Gmail application and using it that way. It'd just be much better off. And then if you do want to save some battery life or like you really want to extend it, just turn the sync off and, and uh, just refresh manually at that point in time.
0: Yeah, which, of course, he says he doesn't really want to do on a regular basis. But if you get into a pinch where you've got to do it, then that's the way to do it. And uh, yeah, that will that will save you some for sure. But uh, it, it, like Joey, I haven't seen a, a big... Uh, you know, change in battery life uh, from this. But then again, I'm, I'm also only syncing two accounts. Maybe you're syncing more, uh, you know, or, or other factors that are involved there, signal strength or whatever. So anyway, uh, but yeah, there you go. There's uh, kind of our thoughts on that. Next one's a question from Mark in Portland. He says, guys, uh, thanks for always providing an informative and professional show. Uh, I've been familiar with Ting for a while now, but I haven't heard or seen their service mentioned much. Seems like their highly customizable model would be popular with a lot of consumers. Thanks, uh, Thinking for my parents, for instance, two lines, a thousand shared minutes, a thousand shared messages, for $35 a month total and no contract, although they would have to buy a $77 feature phone each. Just wondering if you've had any experience with Ting or have heard of any reviews of their service. With uh, two cows and Sprint affiliations, it would lead me to believe that Ting might be a good option for people thanks mark well mark thanks for the question and yes ting does offer some decent options we uh, briefly talked about them a few times in the past. Uh, the, the deal really is quite good. I would imagine most people looking for a non-data plan would benefit the most. Data is uh, a bit more expensive, but if you're looking for 500 megabytes or less, it's not too bad. Now, for those that haven't heard of Ting, customers uh, have to purchase a device for full uh, retail price uh, that ranges from $45 for a device like the Samsung Reclaim to over $500 for the Motorola Photon. Plans are named uh, between... uh, extra small and extra extra large and range from $0 to $126 depending on the number of minutes, texts, and amount of data that you're looking for. So as an example, we've given this one before, a 100-minute plan with 200 text messages and three gigs of data would be $71 per month. Also, a 500-minute plan with 1,000 text messages and no data is only $14 $14 a month. So there you go. Uh, it's, it just kind of looking at how the, the rates are varying there. There is a minimum of $6 per month to re- required to keep the service active Ting is a mobile virtual network operator that runs on the Sprint network, so uh, keep that in mind. Also, if if Sprint is going to be good for them uh, as far as coverage, then this could potentially work well for you. And if you're not looking for data, then like you mentioned, two lines, a thousand shared minutes, thousand shared messages, thirty five bucks—that's a great deal. Uh, it's uh, something definitely to look into if that's all they're they're needing to do. And and data is is not something that that plays a factor here. So um, that's uh, you know we have talked about it. Like I said in the past, it is a, it is a, a decent way to go. I think. Uh, but again, a, a lot of uh, a lot of variables there, like buying a phone, um, you know, from them, or uh, you know, trying to figure out if this is going to work and whatnot. So, a lot of different options, though, and that's what's good. We like talking about options. Next today is a voicemail from anonymous.
4: Nikki Joey, great show like always. You guys rock. I really like your news format when it comes to cell phone news. I just wanted to uh, mention something, and it's more of a question, and and to me, it's actually a concern. Uh, the rumors are that Verizon and AT&T uh, on the iOS 6 will be charging uh, extra for using FaceTime over their networks. I'm a little disappointed, like always, with these two big networks uh, trying to nickel and dime people for uh, using their allotted data. Uh, once again, if you've got 3 gigs or 5 gigs, whatever your data package is, you should be allowed to use your data any which way you want, whether if you want to tether or not Tether, or use your FaceTime, or not use it. Um, that's the whole purpose of having uh, an allotted you know, data package. So your thoughts, like always, I really appreciate it. Well, I want to know what you guys think about that. I'm a little disappointed to hear that, and uh, that's one of the other reasons why I won't update to iOS 6, unless there's some sort of jailbreak that I that, uh, that allows me to override that, you know, where they don't know where I'm using FaceTime or not, I guess, if I have to do that, unfortunately very disappointing once again. But uh, keep up the good work, guys. Really appreciate your show, and uh, can't wait to hear your comments on that. Take care.
0: All right. Thanks for the voicemail. Um, so I guess the main thing that I would say about this is that there are simply rumors at this point that that you're referring to here. We've heard that You know, Sprint is not going to plan to charge extra um, for FaceTime. And if you're looking, um, you look at how Verizon's new plans work, they don't charge for any extra services like tethering. So I'm not going to think that they're going to charge for the FaceTime. Um, AT&T really is the only wild card on this one. And as we've talked about uh, in the show earlier, they basically haven't decided yet. And Joey brought up a good point on this, that basically if if you choose one of these new plans with the unlimited message and, and the shared data, this is probably going to get thrown in
1: yeah i would imagine it would be it, it to me at that point in time then yes like the you point out it, it yeah your data is your data and it shouldn't matter what you're using it for just like they wouldn't start charging you for listening to you know streaming netflix versus streaming music so i think this would be a feature that they would include with the shared data button but i think if you're on unlimited plan or one of the other uh data bucket ones i i think they will nick you for something
0: unless i would say you're maybe on that five gig plan that throws in the, the tethering um then you probably will have that there as well I, i'm just i'm just guessing how they're going to do it um but then again maybe not maybe they want you to get on one of these newer plans where I they think
1: that's the point they really want to get people now over to these uh shared plans i i think that's going to be kind of this you know kind of nickel and dime you know where you get frustrated and want to just make it simpler
0: yeah and and i'm i totally get that i understand why they would feel that way and, uh, you know, <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? You think about yourself 10 years ago using a cell phone and it, all the overages were on the minutes and now minutes are minutes are just unlimited. You don't have to think about minutes anymore and uh, now all the overages are going to be about data. Just kind of an interesting shift there. Next one, a comment from Adam. He says, a few shows ago, um, I wrote in to ask your opinions on roaming for Canada and I'm heading out there in a few weeks and I wanted to let you know what I've decided to do. In case your other listeners are interested, I went with a two-phone approach, With voice and SMS through AT&T and data through Rogers, here's how I came up with the plan. So for voice, I'm currently with the Nation 450 plan, which is $40 before my corporate discount. They also have the Nation with Canada 450 plan, which gives you 450 minutes, a thousand night and weekends, and unlimited mobile to mobile for $60. Note that this includes calls not only from the US to Canada, but also roaming within Canada for no additional costs. And you can add this plan for just uh, just a few days at a time and get the prorated costs and minutes. So for four days, I can get 60 minutes of airtime and a Hundred and thirty-three night and weekend minutes for only $2.66, and if I end up using more than that, I can just keep that plan on my account for a few extra days and add a few extra dollars. Then with text messages, the AT&T International Texting Plan seems very expensive, with plans from t- for $10 for 50 messages to $50 a month for 500 messages. However, unlike voice plans, only the cost of the plans are prorated for your duration of your time abroad, not the allotment of texts. So you can add the $50 for 500 plan to your account for four days, getting all 500 messages but only paying $6.67. And this is for only sent messages. As their site says, text pick. Pay- picture, and video messages received while roaming are charged at a pay-per-use rate or deducted from your domestic messaging package. So since I have unlimited text messaging on my regular account, I can receive all the SMS or MMS for free while I'm in Canada. Now, switching over to data. This is where it really gets pricey. AT&T sells only their data in full buckets, starting at $30 for 120 megs, going up to $120 for 800 megs. And any overage, even one kilobyte adds a whole $30 120 megabyte plan onto it. Rogers, however, has $5 for 60 megabyte week pass that lasts for seven days. They also have day passes, $1 for 10 megs, up and monthly plans at $10 for 100 megs or $25 for 500 megs. Since I will be there for only four days, the weekly pass is my best bet. The only extra cost will be $10 for the Rogers SIM, and note that you have to add a minimum of $10 to the balance for the account. You can then add some text message plans, $3 for 30 messages, or voice plans, $1 per day for unlimited nights and weekends, and $0.30 per minute during the day. Finally, though, uh, even if you don't plan on it, you should... Asked to set up your voice, asked to set up your voicemail account because they give you a credit of three dollars and thirty cents just for setting it up. Interesting. Last suggestion: call them up and set up your account before you go. It doesn't cost you anything, and you just need to give them your name and some basic information. This will speed things up once you get to Canada and go to Rogers store because they will need to first set up your account. So to recap, what I'm going to be done doing for the four day visit: I will get sixty anytime minutes, 133 night and weekend minutes, and unlimited mobile to mobile. For $2.66. Then I will get 500 text messages for $6.67 and 120 megabytes for $17. $10 for the SIM, $10 for the data, $3 for the credits. While $27 is still not cheap for a four day visit, it could be a lot worse and I get to keep my phone number and voice messages. P.S., of course, those rates for Rogers are Canadian dollars, not U.S. dollars, but the exchange rates are almost identical today. So be careful, though, about any credit card fees for international purchases, as it could add another few dollars to the transaction.
1: So for that, no, I think 27 is very good, very reasonable for that, Uh, you know, traveling. I mean, you you have to pay something for this, uh, you know, the convenience of that. But that uh, seems like a pretty fair deal to me. But boy, with all those, uh, you know, the text messaging section uh, specifically, boy, is the devil in the details there. I mean, just the fine print. I mean, you have to kind of overanalyze the whole situation to really figure out what it costs and what it means and what these durations are. So it really is. It is complicated. I mean, this is kind of why they're pushing those, uh, you know, shared data plans as we were talking about earlier, because it it really is a lot more straightforward than these. You know, here you get this many for this many days. It's it's a uh, pretty interesting. It's a good uh, breakdown.
0: It is, and I and I appreciate it, uh, Adam, you for sending that in, and uh, you know, um, I love hearing about the different options that are out there, and, and it's a it's a it's a nice. Find there that you can uh, you can get all five hundred messages uh, and and uh, not have to pay for an entire month of that uh, and you you know for six bucks and you get five hundred messages sent plus unlimited received uh, honestly I would I'm thinking about just maybe just doing that if I ever go to Canada and say. Um, you know forget the uh, forget trying to deal with any sort of voice minutes you know and try and figure that out on the on the computer side or something but I guess at the same time you may have to you know you may have to deal with uh, some sort of business transactions or whatever so I understand the need for voice minutes and it's not all not all just texting and data that gets used so but again thanks Adam for passing that along really really great breakdown next up a question from Patrick he says Thanks to your show, I've learned all about MVNOs. Question, I'm on AT&T, uh, I'm an AT&T customer, and their service is pretty good in my area. If I choose to switch over to an MVNO that AT&T uses, can I expect the same quality of service, or will AT&T have a better service Uh, presented for their customers. Can I still use my old number from AT&T and use it with the new prepaid SIM? Now that Verizon and AT&T have their new data sharing plans, uh, is it just me or do these new plans seem more expensive? The mere fact that paying a fee of around $40 per smartphone makes it outright expensive, more expensive than their older plans. Uh, What kind of use case scenario will this plan benefit consumers? Can't wait to hear the next podcast,
1: Patrick. So, you know, these, uh, these shared data plans, it really becomes cheaper when you have like Three, four, five devices on the plan, and you're kind of uh, using it. Maybe you've got a couple of them. Maybe somebody who doesn't use a lot of data is using one of them. That's where it becomes more in, uh, where it becomes cheaper. Just in my experience, where I have the uh, the two. The, two iPhones and, you know, maybe adding a third iPhone it it uh, becomes very reasonable and cheaper at that point in time. And you've got this flexibility of being able to change tiers if need be. Like for, I actually had to do this already. I had to change the plan up to a higher gigabyte because of uh, travel involved, which uh, involved a lot more tethering. So it jumped up from four to six gigs. Um and, and that's just easier to do because you can actually just call up and change uh, change the plan or, or click it on the website change the plan proactively to back to the beginning of the month but that's where it becomes cheaper but for individual and individual phones no way it's yeah it's drastically more expensive
0: yeah and you know and on the quality of service side you know postpaid versus prepaid. You know, the the service area that you'll have will feel smaller because the prepaid won't give you the roaming agreements that you have as an AT&T postpaid customer. But if your AT&T service is good, like you mentioned, um, you should be just fine. Um, I wouldn't let it stop you from making a switch and saving quite a bit of money.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for Sprint, uh, same reason, they don't have the roaming that you, you can make voice calls or even the 1X uh, roaming on Verizon that you get with a normal uh, postpaid Sprint account. So you lose all that. But there are some differences. I don't know if at has this or if T-Mobile does, but I know for Sprint, for sure, there actually is differences um, in the Sprint versus some of their, you know, network coverage. And uh, maybe there is with Verizon um, too, but it it you have to kind of look at the coverage maps. I think really kind of study the particular areas you know you're going to be at. Just see if there's any differences that seem to show up. I would
0: imagine that most of it is going to be be pretty good, and you're not going. Yeah, to have, I
1: would think so. Yeah,
0: not going to have major issues. So um, either way, just uh, you know, like Joey mentions, take a look at a coverage map, and 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 like he says too, you know, when it comes to the more expensive plans, yeah, as an individual uh, plan, yeah, these are definitely uh, unless you're looking to go unlimited. Um, you know, you are going to spend more money. But um, you start adding multiple lines together and adding multiple data plans together. And it quickly becomes evident that if you know how much data you're using, it can be pretty easy to save some money. And as I went through before, in my case as an example, um, you know, now that I'm using more minutes, it's absolutely going to save me some money by going uh, with, uh, and it could be AT&T too, but I just prefer if I can to, you know, to go with Verizon just because uh, like Joey, that the coverage is better for me generally. Um, I don't have any problems, um, you know, day to day. But uh, you know, add in some traveling or, or whatever, and, and certainly I'll find myself with potentially some issues. So uh, either way, though, I think there's some uh, you know there's some merit though to, to to going with one of these plans if you need. Uh, if you've got multiple lines and multiple devices. And and that's really where this comes into play and can save you some money. Finally today, a question from Josh. He says, Mickey, this is Josh calling from uh, Wallkill, New York. The question this week is if Verizon has any MVNOs that I could use with the iPhone. During a recent trek across the country uh, from Denver, it became pretty obvious to me that AT&T is just not the carrier that I need. Verizon had a strong 3G signal from Denver uh, and occasionally an LTE signal. But I've moved temporarily from Denver to Wallkill, New York. The place I'm working at has concrete and steel, which the AT&T signals seem not to be able to penetrate. But even so, outside with no obstructions, I have service like this, one bar. I've called AT&T and they even gave me a $200 credit and encouraged me to buy a microcell. However, I can't fix the fact that the overall service in my area is pretty poor. Uh, I've even thought about Sprint, Cricket, or Virgin Mobile since they offer cheap plans, but I'm not sure I'm ready for that slow of service. Any feedback would be great. I'm leaving AT&T when the next iPhone comes out. I just don't know where to go. Thanks for your help, Josh.
1: Yeah, and I don't think you'd be happy with the Sprint Cricket or Virgin Mobile or any of the other MVNOs right now. Um, if you're coming from AT and T and you're used to that—that uh, that, you know the four G service that they're providing in HSPA plus—I don't think you'd be happy.
0: Yeah. Now, um, I want to answer the question maybe for you here. Now, I would take a look at one MVNO service specifically um, that may work with an off contract iPhone. Um, and that is one called Page Plus. They offer unlimited talk, text, and three gigs of data for $55 a month. And if you choose to go without data, it's unlimited talk and text for only $30 a month. They also don't require you to have a data plan with a smartphone. So if you wanted to take advantages of a smartphone without a data plan or just wanted to be Wi-Fi only, this could be a great choice for you. Um, and if you don't have a Verizon phone uh, already, because I know you're on AT&T, check out replaceyourcell.com. It's a decent choice of uh, some older and used phones that you may be able to find one there, at least if this is going to be a temporary thing for you. Uh, that would be a good way to go. Um, but uh, again, make I, I, I could not find anything that definitively said that an off-contract iPhone would work for this, but I it sounds like um, because it's a Verizon MVNO, if you have a Verizon iPhone, there's the potential that you could get this to work.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be sketchy, I think, too. Uh, y- I mean, if you found the right person to do it, it's technically possible. Uh, you know, we know that's te- it's technically possible, but getting the getting the software and the, the configuration set up right on both ends, the phone side and, uh, you know, their side could be uh, fairly tricky.
0: Yeah, it, it could be, and, and they may not even allow you to do it. Um, you know, there's Boy, that's the one kind of bummer here of of what's happening with all all of these MVNOs is that you're not getting the the postpaid phones uh, sold necessarily right away with these, or even if ever, and so you may have to to deal with uh, you know some of that or a different type of phone or whatever. And this is unfortunately uh, just just one of the things. And I think one of the the big reasons why MVNOs um, are or at least prepaid services by the GSM carriers have a big advantage. If you've got an unlocked phone, uh, you can take it and bring it there and pop in the SIM and, and be off and running. And so you know, think of it though, just like how things were you know back ten years ago with three G services. It's it's the same way with four G services now. Eventually, we'll find them you know available because especially they're SIM based. LTE is SIM based, where you'll be able to use them uh, with phones that you bring, the ones that you decide that you want to use. And hopefully, be able to get a better deal on it. But if you're looking to go 4G, uh, you're kind of unless you choose T-Mobile, I think you're you're going to be stuck with uh, some some limited choices here, um, including post uh, just the postpay plans pretty much. So uh, that's that's kind of where I would uh, recommend you go. Though check it out. Before, uh, we have talked about it in the past. Um, it is a, a pretty decent service, uh, Page Plus that is, if you're looking for you know something that you can do at least temporarily here, and then once your next iPhone comes out, you know pick that one up, choose your plan, and you're off and running. Lots of great questions and comments this week. Thanks everyone. For sending them in if you have anything that you'd like us to discuss or questions that you have for us give us a call 206-203-3734 leave your voicemail we will play it on the show or send us email to questions at com, and we'll do the same of course you can follow all of the news that we talk about over at junkie.com, and we're also on facebook twitter and google plus joey thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.